I have spikes of happiness higher than I've ever felt before ever having kids. A lot of Chinese parents really think you're going to go to a good school, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or an architect. Like that was like the, the main jobs and you're really controlling what they do. But then at the end of it, the kids might come out feeling bitter that they didn't have choice or like they had to had to do stuff. They have to, you know, then take care of their parents at the end. Hey guys, I'm Young, a full-time dad and a full-time professional with the goal to become the best parent possible. The Girl Dad Show is my journey interviewing fellow working parents aspiring to be both good at work and parenting. I'm going to do this by gathering and sharing unfiltered perspectives from my guests. So join me as I research parenthood one interview at a time. Eric, welcome to the Girl Dad Show. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Young. It's an honor. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Let's start with the basics. So what do you do for a living? Well, I'm actually in between jobs right now. Um, but my prior job was chief commercial officer at a uh a startup called Impro.ai. Uh, we were democratizing coaching, and I spent about over a decade in uh, consulting, doing uh, people-focused uh, stuff. So, facilitating executive workshops, executive training. Um, but the through line, you know, all my all my jobs have been, you know, focused on people, either in team cohesion or democratizing coaching or focused on cultures. Wow. So it's always been inside of coaching and um, uh, leadership development, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of my work has been there. Got it. And so um, what's what's next for you? Well, I'm uh, I'm in conversations with a few uh, few companies right now. Uh, the, the great resignation is real. So it does feel <laughs> like there's a lot of opportunities right now. And so it's a it's actually you caught me at an interesting time where I'm 39 and I'm thinking about what, what should my forties look like, you know, as, as I have like a few different paths I could take. Yeah. Can you share with what you're thinking about so far? Yeah, I would say it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, um, it's not that crazy by the way. I don't mean to um, <laughs> interrupt you because I did the exact same thing when I was 39. So there's a lot of yeah. parallels to what you're doing and what I did. I, I literally quit my job and told my wife that I just needed to like, take some time to figure it out as I started to kind of round the corner on 40. And, um, yeah. I completely uprooted our life and changed everything about it. And I didn't work for three months. So I can tell yeah. you more about it, but let's, let's talk about you. So like, yeah, talk to me about what you're thinking. I just wanted you to know that I have context and I, I, I yeah. I'm not, I'm not inquiring out of nowhere. I'm actually inquiring because it's really funny that you're, you're almost verbatim doing what I did when I was 39. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, I think we have a few uh, a few similarities in our in our lives. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, I um, yeah you know to yeah we'll, we'll we'll get into that I'm sure. But uh, to yeah to answer your question, um, I wrote down you know what are the types of attributes that are really important to me you know in in my next position. Um, mm -hmm. And then given that the jobs can seem really different, but you know the commonalities are I I really want to be part of a great team and, and, and really working with people that I love. And it sounds pretty cliche, but just realizing that for me, all the way back to playing sports when I was younger, being on a great team is really important. I think I'm, um, think of myself as a bit of a catalyst. And so you know, I, I look back at some of my best moments in my career and it's always been part of, you know, things are growing or moving fast and I'm there to kind of bring some structure to catalyze, to inspire, to mobilize, to recruit. 
And so, um, you know, what I'm not is I'm not like a turnaround artist, but I think when things are growing and moving or there's something that needs to be started, whether that be a brand new consulting firm, you know, a team within a larger company or a company that's just gotten a big round of funding and is on massive um, growth trajectory, I think I come in that way. Um, I, um, I like being customer facing. And so I, I've been I was consulting and facing clients and then, you know, it's doing a lot of sales and marketing in my past roles. So I love being in front of the customer. I think that's when you're closest to what matters most in the business. And then I'd say a couple like less, um, you know, less obvious uh, things are I uprooted my life from San Francisco to Vancouver two years ago. Mm. And for me, it's important for me to be able to be here in Vancouver, able to be present for my kids. Mm -hmm. And so you know, if it is a company that's headquartered in the United States, and I'm talking to a company, a couple of companies down there, it, it's a non-negotiable for me that I need to be able to still be here and present for my kids, mm. um, you know, while still, you know, believing that I can achieve great things, I can, you know, I can be part of a leadership team, I can, I can, I can have a big impact. So um, that's why I kind of love what you're doing is, is I'm, I'm thinking about that balance right now as I'm designing the next chapter of my life. Yeah. And do you think that has to do with more about your age or you think just like timing in life? Like, or is it the prompts of like having kids? Like, what do you think it is for you? Because I definitely have my thesis around this, but I, I definitely feel like, you know, um, it's like a coming of age story to me. And I'd love to know if you, if you feel the same sentiment, have you like kind of diagnosed it? <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I was talking to my friend the other day and um, I don't know if you experienced this, but I was like, am I, am I still as ambitious as I, as I was before? Cause you know, in your, in your thirties, you're like solely focused on career. You're kind of comparing yourself to others. I came out of business school. So there's some sort of like well-worn paths. So you're kind of comparing yourselves on how you're doing on those things. And he gave me a really good piece of, of advice. He's like, Eric, you're, you sound really hungry and ambitious, but it's just across more factors. Like you're also ambitious and passionate about making Vancouver your home and doing something impactful to Vancouver. You're really passionate about being a good father to your kids. You're really mm -hmm. passionate about being healthy and like not letting your health like diminish. And, you know, I've, I've been in different stages of my life where I've been working like, you know, 60 hours and like my health was starting to diminish. Like my, mm -hmm. my Peloton output was starting to get worse. <laughs> my back was starting to hurt. So, um, I, I think like at this at this age when life has more factors, it's like, how do you balance all those things? There's like, there's like no right answer like at mm -hmm. all. Like it, it's everything from, um, you know, talking to a fast growth company based out of Vancouver to talking to a large tech company in the Bay area to talking to like a boutique consulting firm. Like those are some of the things that I'm talking to right now. And, um, I'm trying to, you know, lean back on, you know, what matters to me most which of these paths will enable me to live the life that I, that I dream about for myself. Yeah. And so have you defined what that life is? It sounds like you have a pretty good idea of it now. Or are you still wrestling with it? Yeah. Um, I, uh, it's funny. I would, you know, between career and like life, um, I give myself like an A, A plus right now. Nice. Like, you know, having the courage on the, on the, on the life part. Like I'm like, yeah. I look around, like, you know, I quit my, I quit my last job and, you know, you go through some emotions, but like three, four days afterwards, I was like, man, I kind of like living here. I like this house that we're in. Like, I love my family. I love my kids. And yeah. like, I really like the outdoors here. So it's really nice knowing that that life part, my wife and I have done a good job of like 
figuring out what it is we want and going after it. Like she and I were both in the Bay Area. She left her job. She had a nice job at Genentech. You know, I was doing mm. well. I was running a consulting firm and then came up to Vancouver and both of us had to blow it up and go to a, a smaller city and mm-hmm. um, and try to rebuild it. And so it, it it's then like, okay, well, the career path I choose, how do I make sure that I don't ruin the stuff that we've created here on the life side of things, you know, as I go off and we'll probably, you know, work a lot of hours and may have to travel and everything like that. Yeah. That's interesting. I I think that it's like the constant conundrum of like time, time and like how you allocate the time resources. Right. But it sounds like to me that you do have a good idea of it though. It sounds like you are uh, very aware of like what you're qualifying as success and, that's really key, I think, into finding what you want to do next. But I think the other aspect of it is like what you just said is like the satisfaction, and happiness of your family, the location, all those things, right? So if you don't mind, let's segue real quick into your family. Can you tell me about your family and and uh, and yeah. how you were how you were how you were on this podcast? I mean, you'd have to be a parent to be here. So let's talk about your kids. Yeah. Um, so uh, we were introduced by a good friend of ours, uh, Faith, uh, who is uh, one of her best friends is, is my wife, Tammy. And so oh, they no. were room, roommates <laughs> together in San Francisco. Um, met my wife on eHarmony uh, 10 plus years ago uh, nice. in San Francisco. <laughs> oh, cool. You're, uh, you're one of the digital romance types. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There was a whole wave. That, there was a whole wave of that, right? Like when that first started. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if anyone uses eHarmony anymore. There's like a new wave of apps, but back then it was really cool. Like the algorithm could, you know, you know, drip feed yeah. you like yeah. good matches according to their algorithm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I met her in San Francisco. Um, she's from small town Nebraska. I was from Vancouver, so we were a bit of an unlikely couple. Um, but yeah, we lived together in Soma, then went to Noe Valley, then got a dog and drifted down to San Mateo, hadn't had our mm. first daughter and our second daughter. So now we have um, two daughters, uh, Isla and Zoe, and uh, Isla's five, and she's going to kindergarten just next door, and uh, Zoe is uh, two years old. Oh and we're gosh. here in Vancouver. <laughs> we're literally like living so many similar <laughs> lives. That's hilarious. So you're a girl dad too. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And I have a um, four and a two-year-old, so um, very, very similar age, girl dad. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, we have a lot to talk about here. Um, what's What's the best <laughs> and worst thing about being a girl dad? <laughs> I um, I I love being I love being a girl dad. So I think the best thing is just the everyday moments. Uh, I I don't know if you feel this, but like. I have spikes of happiness higher than I've ever felt before ever having kids Mm. in general. Like my, my daily like um, happiness is more chaotic, right? It's like always scrambling from thing to thing, but just like the spikes of happiness are amazing. Having two girls, I just, I wouldn't trade it, trade it for the world. It's great. I think the hard thing is just, it's a constant, constant trade-offs and struggle. Like, we have our social life uh, has has struggled. I we've we've had to make career trade offs in order to make this make this work. And so I don't know if that's the worst thing, but it just forces prioritization, right? Just constantly, mm-hmm. daily, like you know, who's going to make the you know who's going to make uh, bre- uh, breakfast and lunch for them? You know, who get this is like the one nice office in our house, and so who gets the office? And and this like it's always constantly feels like. Uh, 
daily trade-offs, like decisions you're making all the time, which isn't, which isn't always easy. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I, um, I think that that's like definitely the a shared sentiment for me too. And I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's also like the opposite of that. Have you, maybe it's just me, but I've also noticed that like, not only do I have these spikes of happiness, but the girls, cause it's, I just live in a house full of girls, right? Even my dog is a girl. So it's just like, all <laughs> girls, and, it's all girls and me. And <laughs> like, even at this young age, like it's wild. Like I'll like walk in and everyone will love me and like I'm like the best thing in the world and then like literally three hours later everyone's mad at each other <laughs> and everyone it's always it's all my fault and yeah. uh, there's like these cycles of emotions uh, even within one day and I just like oh my gosh if this is what it's like with these like you know young kids I can't even imagine what's gonna be like when they're teenagers <laughs> uh, have you noticed oh, yeah. that at all oh absolutely like there's nights i'm like why can't everyone just be happy right it's just like <laughs> tension and like you know it's like she yeah. tiniest thing she wants me to go downstairs and get her lovey that she sleeps with right mm -hmm. and that yep. last yesterday morning i woke up early we drew together and came upstairs and then i i, I didn't get it because i'm like no i'm like i'm not your your slave like you know yeah. you, you like you want to have some sense of self-respect and dignity right i'm not gonna get bossed around <laughs> my, my daughter and then that like tantrum for the next 30 minutes and then oh. everyone's everyone's pissed off so um yeah you're, you're you know. a better dad than me if it's my second daughter <laughs> i just i just give in i just like okay, I'm, i'll just be your slave oh you're yeah. a better dad than me i well I, I do generally give in which is you know the tension you know of my wife and i too right like you know who what is the bar for what is worth disciplining or not like it is uh we were, we were just arguing about that yesterday, man. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, because I was feeling bad about myself, so I appreciate you getting down to my level. Um, can I ask you how your, what your childhood was like? How did you grow yeah. up? Yeah. Yeah, so I grew up in um, a suburb of Vancouver, North Delta, British Columbia. Pretty normal um, middle-class upbringing. Um, you know, my mom was a pharmacist. My dad was an engineer. Uh generally felt happy growing up. I'd say the one thing that um, it has shaped me is it was a pretty white culture. Mm. And so as an Asian, I, my parents are from Hong Kong. I think, you know, being the one like Asian kid in my group and trying to be popular, trying to play football and everything like that was mm -hmm. um, kind of, forced me to figure out how to be a chameleon and just kind of like shape to whatever whatever the environment needs for me and that has mm. both very big pros and very very big cons mm -hmm. um but otherwise yeah i think it was a I, I can't complain about my um you know my childhood too much generally pretty happy optimistic kid even you know we we face normal normal challenges that all all families do yeah and then are you doing things um to replicate that? Is that why you moved to Vancouver? Why'd you move to Vancouver and, and quit your job and like do this whole reset with two young girls? <laughs> yeah, we moved up with a three-year-old and a two-month-old. So moving to a different country as, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, you know, we, one thing my wife and I did was my friend Corey Ford introduced me to this thing called Wheel of Life. And you can you can look it up on the on the uh, Internet. It's basically like eight categories that constitute happiness. There's career, money, health, community and, and other other factors like that. And my wife and I were in San Francisco and we self-evaluated ourselves. 
So every year we do like a couples offsite where we actually reflect on the year and say, okay, what's working, what's not. And we had the, I guess, disturbing realization that as we were comparing life in three cities, so we're actually saying, should we live in Seattle? Should we live in San Francisco? Should we live in Vancouver? That San Francisco was tops for career and money. Mm. And Vancouver was better on everything else. Mm. It, it's closer to family, nature, um, sense of community here, and, um, and and for us. And I got lots of friends in San Francisco. I'm flying down in a few weeks. I love San Francisco. For us, we had this realization that, well, Vancouver it seems to be better on all these different factors, you know, except for career and money. You know, being Bay Area is the one of the best cities on earth when it comes to building, making, have a, making a career. And so I think at the time we were like, well, maybe when we're 55, you know, we'll move back up here. And I think as we kept reflecting on it over the coming months and years, we're just like, well, why not move up here? You know, it's really scary, but um, like, why not just make the move in our late 30s versus in our 50s and try to like live a life, um, live the life that we want now versus prioritizing career and money, which was so easy to do in the Bay Area, right? It's like... Um, it's, uh, it, 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 it almost felt like it was like defining us and I'm, yeah, I'm not strong enough to not get sucked into the, you know, the, the society and, you know, the constant, you know, ambition and trying to make more money, trying to get that cool job, seeing your hmm. friends have exits and things like that. And, um, yeah, I think crazy. it was just healthier for us to live in a place where, yeah, career matters, but there's other things that, that matter too, right? Like my, you know, you, you just here in the city that I love is people just kind of talk about that less. And it just felt like, you know, my, and my mom and my sister are here. And so it, it came down to like a holistic view of what happiness is for us. And I think having the courage to say, let's just go do it. Let's just leave and, and we'll figure it out. It's awesome. Yeah. And I'm sure that there was a, um, a factor of that, that like also contributed to the fact that like how you wanted to raise your kids, right? Like what you kind of like wanted them to grow up in because, I, one of the main reasons for me leaving the Bay Area was, um, <clears throat> uh, I mean, there's many reasons, but one of them was that, like, I, I don't know. I was, like, talking to my sister about this, and she, like, said her kids were, like, she, they entered, like, first grade at the bottom of the class. And I'm like, how is that possible? They're, like, they're so <laughs> smart and bright and intelligent, you know? And, like, she's like, yeah, most, like, 99% of the parents are sending their kids to Mathnasium and Kumon at the age of three. And I'm like... Yeah. There's no way. There's no way. She's like, she's like, no, really. Like they are, and our our kids were like literally at the bottom of the class. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do that. Like I don't even know if I want yeah. to do that. And not to yeah. say that that's bad, but like I actually don't even care if they go to college, right? So it's just like, yeah. for me, it's like I don't know if that's really important to me. And so it's really funny to, to hear you talk about the Bay so so specifically about that ecosystem and culture, and you don't yeah. actually realize that you're in it until you leave it. And then you, yeah. then you realize like, oh man, that is like definitely uh, a breeding ground for um, ambition and entrepreneurial spirit and aggressiveness and, you know, and career. And, and it's really, really fascinating. It's a great place. It's a great place for that. Right. And I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. It's just like knowing what it is and, and being able to explain like that is really interesting to hear you say that because yeah. I've never really been able to put my thumb on that, but that is the reality. Like it's a, it's a, it's an ecosystem. It yeah. feeds into it. Yeah. I, I could have like a, I think we could have that entire conversation about this, this topic. Like I think of, of everything, like I can be, I can do fine in the Bay area. My wife can do fine in the Bay area. Like, you know, we're grownups, but I, I do think for us, 
And it was maybe because how we grew up. You know, I grew, I went to public school. My wife went to public school in small town Nebraska in, in Lexington, Nebraska. And so for us, it we were seeing some of our friends like applying for private school for their kid to make sure they get into the right preschool and pay thirty five, forty thousand dollars a year so that they're on like the right track to maximize the probability that you get into Stanford or Harvard. And like, yeah, maybe that's the right thing for them, but maybe not. And I think for us, um, it's really important to have like just exposure to like a wide socioeconomic, like, you know, spectrum, like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Isla, you know, in kindergarten, you know, she, some of the kids she goes to school, school with like her, her best friend, like, you know, have, you know, very parents, just, you know, normal working class jobs. And then another one, you know, like very, very successful. And so for me, it's not like, avoiding that because it's it's amazing like the types of amazing things that happen in the bay area but i think for me seeing that your self-worth isn't defined by your grades what school you go to what career you have like it's a it's a small slice of your identity versus everything yeah so now i'm going to get into like the hard-hitting questions here so based on all the things that you've learned about yourself and the kind of the transitionary point of your life like how are you qualifying success in business in, in this next job that you have like what do you what do you what would you say is successful in this next this next era or this next chapter for you? I think living some of those factors that I mentioned earlier, right? Like can I be a catalyst? Um, can I be working on a team and a great culture? I think some of the more deep purpose driven things are like I had this idea that I spent thirteen years in the Bay Area in the big leagues of business can I come back to Vancouver in this underdog city, um, smaller business market and help, you know, help an organization, um, uh, you know, prove that we can have global impact, you know, out of Vancouver, you know, can I do something impactful out of Vancouver? That's, you know, that's what I was drawn to about Impro. Like we were really looking to create a global organization, democratize coaching and, you know, make what's a luxury good accessible to everyone. Like I got really fired up about like creating something that could change the world. Like um, (laughs) some of my friends uh, know this It's kind of funny that um, I talked to them about like, can I go back to Canada? Like imagine if I went back and I was Justin Trudeau's secret weapon to help catalyze business growth here. And then afterwards, you know, we'd have some business meetings together and afterwards we'd go like work out like shirtless and take a shirtless selfie. And I called it like (laughs) Operation Trudeau Bro. Like my my friends and I said that and it was half joking, but it did kind of like be like, hey, can I go back to Canada and do something super impactful here? I'm lucky enough to have been exposed to a lot of really cool stuff in the Bay Area. And now can I go back to my home country and, and help it? So I think that's the that's the icing on the cake. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if that's in my next job or if that's, you know, eventually maybe I have to go have some other successes and come back and be an investor or, you know, an advisor or yeah. something like that. But I think, I think coming back home and like, I think I've always been driven by being like an underdog. And so I think I kind of need that to like really, mm. really stoke my fire. Can I, can I help catalyze something that's unlikely? And, and, uh, can I motivate, inspire people, create great work and, and like, have young people really grow as a result of the, you know, as a result of my leadership and the organization that I'm part of, man, you are transitioning in a lot of different ways. I love it. You're (laughs) like, you're like totally doing self-discovery. I love it. So this is a great time to ask this question then. So based on the transitionary phase that you're in, like, have you changed the way that you define success in parenting and who you are as a dad? 
how, how do you do that now? And, and how do you, do you feel like you've changed that since in, in the last five or six years since you moved to Vancouver? Oh man. Um, I think, I think this moment and you probably experienced it too is, um, amazing and scary because like I have all this time right now. So I'm able to be present for my kids. Like before when I was just busy, it was just, am I even doing the minimum? Am I even present and I'm not on my phone when I'm talking to them? Mm. Am I making them feel like they're important? Are we just checking all the boxes, making sure they brush their teeth and get bathed every day, which I don't always do <laughs> and like go to bed. Um, but I think I, right now, like during this, you know, three month period, um, I think, I think a lot about like raising girls and like independence and confidence mm. comes to my mind a lot. Right. Like I, I really think, uh, that it's, it's good to be able to stand up for yourself. I, I think, especially in the world today, like giving them the confidence to make their own decisions. Cause if they just follow the well-worn path, I think that's not the way to have a really fulfilling life. So it's almost like I like it when they break the rules a little bit. And uh, my wife and I <laughs> may disagree on this one. It's a little bit of a crazy thought, but <laughs> I think the idea of them being confident and, and independent is really important. Yeah. And then I think the other thing, I think especially coming from like an Asian background where like a lot of Chinese parents really think you're going to go to a good school. You're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or an architect. Like that was like the, the main jobs. Um, and you're really controlling what they do. But then at the end of it, the kids might come out feeling either like, you know, bitter that they didn't have choice or like they had to, had to do stuff. They have to, you know, then take care of their parents at the end. I, for me, I just, I would want them to feel like they had complete freedom to do what they want. And then still want to talk to me when they're grown up, yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, yeah. choosing, choosing to want to spend time with me. Like I went and had lunch with my mom yesterday and like, I, I like she's, she was an awesome mom. And like, because of that, I choose to spend time with her. I don't do it out of any sense of obligation or duty, but I just love talking to her and spending time with her. And so if my kids, even as they're, who knows where they're going to be living, who knows what they're going to be doing, if they still at the end of it want to come back and they, they want to have a relationship with me and my wife, then, then we've done something right. That's awesome. That's really, really great way of qualifying it. I love that. And it's really funny that you talk about um, kind of like the Asian stereotype about like kind of driving to it. I mean, it's it's a huge it's a huge um, privilege to also be able to like do what you're doing. And, and because I think the sacrifices that, you know, former generations have made to like make sure that we're established is also like gives us the ability to be more creative. Like, for example, with my kids, like I, don't, I actually don't care at all. Like, if they want to be an artist, go for it. If you want to be a musician, yeah. go for it. If you want to be a, a dancer, I, don't, I mean, I'm, I'm totally open to it, which is not what my parents told me growing up, right? Like, <laughs> you know, absolutely not, right? Like, uh, yeah. and I think that, that that luxury is afforded because of what previous generations have done for us, right? Giving us the, the privilege and the latitude to be able to think more like that. That's a really good point, right? Like if you're coming from a place where you feel like you've got a little bit of comfort, that you, you have the freedom to do that. But when you're coming from a place where you don't know if you're going to make it financially and this is the best path, like it's just their beliefs are shaped by their experiences, just like right. ours will be shaped by ours. Like I, I think you're totally right. Like I'm not confident that university is going to be 
the a, a, as good of a choice as it was 30 years ago when our kids are growing up. Like it's it's more and more and more expensive, and you really just look at the ROI. Like like like, and they might be like being a TikTok influencer, being like a video game a, Twitch streamer. Yeah, like yeah, like yeah, that it's might crazy. Be the path to success. Whereas <clears throat> yeah, you know, for our generation, it, you know, tended to be more like like yeah, entrepreneurship and tech and the internet like who would have who would have known that that was you know what was the good places to be so i i i have to make sure that i don't get kind of set in my ways about and you know if if, you know she's 14 making videos and and taking selfies and like maybe that's like the way to make money who knows (laughs) right i guess that that scares that one scares me a little bit but yeah totally scares me a lot too yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. I love that. Hey, so um, let me uh, let me jump into some uh, rapid fire questions here, if you don't mind. I'd like to keep some symmetry to the interviews, and uh, I want to ask every guest these uh, the same question. So, um, first and foremost, what is the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself becoming a parent? Well, first of all, I think having kids has made me a better human human being. Like, I just I actually think like having I, I'm just. A, a better person. And, um, I think I'm a more likable human being now. <laughs> like it's, and I'm more confident and mature. Like, you know, I was a bit of a kind of an immature, um, guy that party too much and cared too much about people liking him. Um, I, I think also just like the genuine belief that, um, yeah, like my, my life and my career, like, yeah, I want to, I want to have a bunch of success. Like the forties, if, if things go well, we'll be wildly successful, but I'm starting to already feel like if not, and they're okay, like that's, that's fine. Like Mm -hmm. their life is quickly becoming more important than, than mine. And, you know, I would, you know, if it was a choice between my career success and their life and career success, I would, I would choose theirs every time. So I think it's just like the sense that like my, like that the feeling that they're more important than me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they really are. Right. Like I'm not that important. And my, like my, my, it's comforting in some ways, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, um, yeah. Like, and I, I was probably a pretty selfish, like, selfish person before, and so yeah. that selflessness that having kids um, uh, brings is uh, is surprising. Yeah, that's a really good one. So, what advice do you have for other parents and soon to be parents? I think it's to actually talk about the stuff that's getting you to fight, like. Hmm. Um, like one of the things is, you know, when my wife and I met, like I was making more money and I was, um, working longer hours than her. And over time, like right now, like she's done really, really well. And so our incomes are actually kind of more similar right now. So what does that mean in terms of how the home duties should be divided? Hmm. Right. When before it was like 80, 20, my career to hers and it's like 50, 50. So I actually made a spreadsheet that had all the duties when it came to giving baths, walking them to school, all this stuff. I love it. And I actually had a continuum of negative two to positive two, where negative two was all Tammy, positive two was all me. And you can actually have a graph where you can see, and all the stuff that was all Tammy was like red and then pink and off to green. So you could visually see the distribution of work. (laughs) And part of it was me trying to trying to prove to her, like, you see, I am doing, like, you know, I am doing my, my share of work. <laughs> but the, the insight that came from that was the hours were pretty similar, but the mental load was 90% her. <clears throat> so even though the actual work was pretty even, she's the one that's thinking ahead about making sure they get their vaccinations. You know, what clothes, clothes do we need to buy? What type of food do we need to buy? And so it actually created this, like, great insight for us where, one, 
I was like, haha, I am doing 50% of the, the hours. But then it like, it was humbling for me too. I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. Like I, I'm kind of just doing what, you know, the day-to-day stuff, but, but I'm not thinking ahead about like making sure they get enrolled in schools and making sure that, you totally. know, they've got their shots and all that. So it, it actually created like a really good conversation and like, it's a constant battle, but I think like the fact that we talk about it and, and like, apply some of this stuff we might do from work, it, it's actually really useful because you just have to keep talking about it, keep talking about it. I I love that you <laughs> built it into a graphic chart. That's I'll send amazing. it to you afterwards. It, it's, no, uh, please it's, do. It's That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I like it's so funny because it's so awesome. I think it's brilliant. I'm sure there's other parents that would love that as well too, just to like help uh, yeah. avoid these arguments and create some level of sanity around it because – the reality is, is that like um, um, the most important thing is what you just said, right? It's the conversation that comes with it. But I think the conversation can only start if you have something like that to actually, con- con- <laughs> yeah. you know, converse around, right? So it's great. Yeah. It's brilliant. Okay. So um, the next question, if you can go back and tell yourself one thing before having kids, what would you tell yourself? I believe, and I guess, you know, I'll, I'll know this in like 15 years. I think the time with them from zero to five really matters. Even if it's like super mundane, it's like changing diapers, like this baby can't talk and you're sitting there and you can't feed it because, you know, the mom's doing the feeding. But I I actually, I think it matters for a couple reasons. One is that it builds on itself, right? And so even now, like I feel like I have this relationship that comes all the way from just doing, you know, playing, changing diapers and stuff. And it kind of builds on itself. Like I've got some you know, I got some male friends who are like, oh, I've never changed the diaper before. You know, my dad never changed the diaper before. But I think like all of that, it starts now and then it builds a foundation. And the other thing is like, I really believe kids remember how you made them feel. Like, like I can remember like how I felt. I remember that my mom seemed to adore me. And I remember that my dad didn't speak much, you know, he didn't talk about feelings or anything like that, but I could tell that he, I could tell that he loved me. And I think that they're already like at this age, they're going to remember like, was dad always on his phone? Was he always prioritizing work or was, did he love me? Like I already, I already believe that, you know, that they, they, they remember how right now I'm going to make them feel. Cause I remember from the time I was like three years old, like how my parents made me feel. So mm-hmm. It can be easy, like, I think, especially when you're worried about career, it's like, ah, oh, you know, like, uh, you know, once they're five, six, seven, like, I'll, I'll then come back. But I, I think this time actually matters. Um, and, uh, you know, for the foundation, you know, the, the, it's like a little seed that's, that's like growing into a flower, the relationship. And, and um, I just want them to, to not say like, oh, he was on his phone all the time or, mm. you know, he prioritized work over me. Because I, I think they'll remember that. I really do. Hmm. Yeah. And they soak up everything, right? And then they're watching and listening to everything, even at the young age. I mean, it's wild. It's a really, it's a really good answer. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to switch gears a little bit for the last two. So what's your all-time favorite business book? I um, Right now, I'm able to read a lot. And <laughs> one that I really like is uh, Your Next Five Moves. And huh. it's a book about, you know, kind of, business and also kind of planning your life. But what I like about it is it's written by like a scrappy entrepreneur, like didn't go to a fancy school, kind of made it in the insurance industry. And I, I, I kind of like that it's like gritty and real and no holds, no holds barred, you know, cause I think a lot of like the leadership books that, you know, I've, I've read before are, 
very theoretical and you know it, everybody's like got a harvard or stanford mba and it you know sounds really smart and everything like that but this is like written by like a like a fighter like a scrappy fighter entrepreneur guy and i think as i look um look forward to this next you know chapter it's like realizing like you know business like entrepreneurship it's like it's selling stuff and building stuff <laughs> and so you know very quickly like it like i'm at the stage now and i like this like doesn't really matter like where, where you went to school. It's like if you can sell stuff and build stuff, then then you can have a successful business. So I love the scrappy, no MBA attached nature to your next five moves. Um, uh, if I can add another one, I just read the Will Smith biography, and I, I love I love that book too. So yeah. um, I I totally relate to um, not his wild success and being the Fresh Prince. But <laughs> he, <laughs> he really cares about being liked, and like yeah. I um, and I really relate to that, and, and it's something that I still kind of wrestle with and struggle with today because like being likable really matters to me and like to see that will smith like uh struggled with that too through his life is pretty cool yeah that is cool i just saw my wife download it on audible so i'm, I'm, I'm assuming i'll hear all about it soon it's good it's <laughs> yeah good. is it i'll have it's to check really it out good. then yeah um and then last question what is eric uh, what do you do for fun like when you're not working or being an awesome dad like what what's what's eric time look like i think my favorite thing to do is to hang out with friends um, and I think COVID and being a parent has like starved me uh, from the, of mm. that. Yeah, totally. And like just like now, like <laughs> when you're like a married couple, it, like looks different. It's like um, you know, Dirk. It's like two couples get together and you have like drinks and takeout. Like that's what like hanging out looks like now. And as yeah. you as your parents, but I, I love it. Like I love hanging out with friends. Um, also a big fan of skiing. I'm, I'm supposed to be going up to Whistler for the first time, uh, first time this year tomorrow. So I'm really, uh, really excited. Nice. I think just hanging out with friends and, uh, and skiing, uh, if I can, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm teaching Isla to ski and my, my secret plan is to get all my kids skiing. So that enables me to me to ski more over the next uh, decade. Nice. That's very clever of you. I love it. Those are, <laughs> those are dad goals right there. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, well, thank you so much for taking the time to spend uh, spend some time talking uh, talking to me on the Girl Dad Show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I, lo- I love what you're doing. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon, okay, brother? All right, take care. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Girl Dad Show. We really hope you enjoyed that interview. And as always, please take a moment to review, rate, and subscribe. We'll see you next time.